middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. That is correct. Welcome in to Keeper of the Games. We are the wildly underqualified, yet mildly entertaining podcast that, of course, is all about sports in the air capital of Wichita, Kansas, and beyond. Welcome into the brand new episode of the Cogpod. It's season two, episode number 18. That means that it's episode number 66 overall of the Cogpod. And a happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Hopefully you were able to enjoy your day. You were able to relax. You were able to just enjoy just just a nice day of, of rest and relaxation. Hopefully that was the case for you on Sunday. I'm Tommy Castor, and uh, in the next hour or so, we've got a lot to get to in the world of sports. But before we get into all of that, I want to welcome my co-hosts. First off, Weston Mills. Weston, I trust that you celebrated your wife and your baby mama. It's one person, not multiple people, but your wife and baby mama <laughs> uh, with a great and fantastic Mother's Day. Yeah, absolutely. It was so it was her her first. Uh we didn't we didn't do anything too over the top. She actually had to work. She was on call, which in her world on call actually means she has to go into the hospital. Um but we, we, you know, had a nice little day. She she wanted pizza as her mother's day uh dinner, so that made it real easy. Uh but the only downside was uh I ordered a gift. It was supposed to be, of course, to be in the Thursday before Mother's Day. They it said from the get go delivery not guaranteed, but I said Thursday. That's plenty of time. <laughs> Even if they miss, it'll surely it'll come on. Well, got the notification it wasn't going to be uh, delivered till today. Had a few choice words with a particular company that I will not name. And anyways, yeah. So Mother's Day gift was today, but was a big success. Can't complain. It was a good day. Did they make it right? Did they discount it for you or give you a refund? No, they didn't do anything. Wow. <laughs> so you you can bet I'll be finding some good Google reviews to do some serious shaming here soon. <laughs> there you go. Also want to welcome Blake Cripps on the pro, on the program. And, and Blake, I, I'm glad to see you here today. I was worried that you had actually stabbed your eyes out after seeing all of the Mother's Day uniforms in Major League Baseball and everything that was done uh, that was pink out for Mother's Day on Sunday. Pretty terrible. Uh, pretty awful uniforms. I can't wait for them to ruin the uniforms again on Father's Day and probably on Memorial Day and the 4th of July and probably even on Labor Day. They, it's terrible. And this... I don't understand. Like, so the, the 100 years of baseball, when they didn't wear pink uniforms, they just didn't care about women or breast cancer. That's what we're going with. And they didn't care about dads and prostate cancer when they weren't doing the stupid powder blue bats. <laughs> Get out of here with that. I, I hate that crap. It's terrible. You know, whatever. They want to make money. They want to sell their stupid hats. And I can't wait for all of them to virtue signal again when they all wear their stupid camouflage <laughs> stuff so they can tell you how great the military is. I can't wait. I sure am glad that I asked you that no. question. Actually, you know, they've they've toned down the Mother's Day outfits over the years. I mean, like, if you noticed, Good. the uniforms themselves weren't decked out. Hats were a little bit like there was a little bit of pink in the hats. And then like catchers wore like pink protective gear and like maybe like an arm sleeve here and there. But the uniforms themselves, you'll be happy to know, really weren't touched at all. 
which is good. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, for me, I don't need, I don't even like, and, and this may be a hot take, so you can do whatever you want. I don't even like people wearing like the American flag on their uniform. I don't really like KU having the Big 12 conference logo on the uniform. I, we don't need that. I know what conference they play in. So, but, <laughs> but I'm a purist. I know. I'm like 36 years old with the mind of like a 90 year old and everything's bad. And I yell at the sky when they change the uniforms. I understand. So it, it's fine. It's who I am. I'm comfortable with that. Well, fair enough. No Wanna fun w- league, Blake. There you go. That's exactly right. want to welcome you all into the show today. And just a quick reminder that you can find us on all streaming platforms. You can listen anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Of course, we're on platforms like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, all the major ones out there. Of course, you can listen to Keeper of the Games right there. Of course, you can also watch the video on the Keeper of the Games YouTube channel. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Keeper of the Games and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. Our website, by the way, is cogsports.com. That's kogsports.com. On today's program, Shocker Softball takes the regular season title. Shocker Baseball with a strong weekend. The Wichita Wind Surge off to an incredible start in their inaugural season. Our Wichita Whip Around and a lot more. But we start off the program with a game that I think has become pretty common here on Keeper of the Games. And that game is called Do the Kansas City Royals Suck? And unfortunately, I think we're getting pretty close to that territory. The Royals have had an absolutely terrible eight-game stretch. They're 0-8 in their last eight games. In fact, guys, they have not won a baseball game since before our last episode. They were on a losing streak (laughs) when we recorded last week. That losing streak has continued. In fact, the Royals went 28 scoreless innings that's 28 innings without getting a run across the plate last week guys that's over three full nine inning games of baseball that the Royals did not score a single run we've got a lot more to get into when we talk about the futility of this team but Blake Cripps I will start with you do the Kansas City Royals suck well Tommy the answer is yes right now now do they actually suck as a team do they actually suck this season I think it's probably still a little bit too early. We have quite a bit of data at this point, but the facts are undeniable. Kansas City has lost 9 of 10. They've lost 8 in a row. They're 5 games below 500 against teams with a winning record. They've been jumped in the standings by two teams they just played. Kansas City has the second worst run differential in Major League Baseball. And that, statistically, you ask any of the sabermetricians, that is the single greatest predictor as to whether or not your team will make the playoffs. So in the thing that matters the most, do you score more runs to your opponents? Kansas City is the second worst team at doing that in Major League Baseball. They're 8-4 and four against teams with a losing record. So they got fat playing teams that were not very good, And that's who they started the season with. They've allowed the third most runs in the American League. Carlos Santana has crashed back to earth. He is four for his last 23 over the last seven games. And Weston, this is the thing that I look at because there's so much inconsistency. There's so much. We're going to get into the Royals pitching, I know, because it's been bad uh, over the last week or so. Offensively, right now, Weston, the Royals cannot and will not contend. This is my thesis that I will toss over to you. If Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler are hitting under 200, and that's their average, both of them, for the rest of the season, there is a 0% chance that the Royals will be in contention at any point in the season 
after today. What is it? We're recording this on May 10th, so people are going to be listening to this on May 11th. The Royals will not be in contention if those two guys are a regular part of the starting lineup and hitting under 200. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. They're not getting enough from those guys, and I know that Hunter Dozier has been a little bit unlucky. He's had a lot of hard hit balls that have been caught. I get that. But until those guys start getting on base and start hitting the ball, it's not going to happen for the Royals. They're not. They don't every have the pitching to sustain it. Podcast. It's not going to happen. Yep. Uh, that neither Hunter Dozier or Jorge Soler will hit under 200. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, by the end of the season, they, they will be they'll be hitting above that. I don't know how much above that, but that's not out of concern. But nonetheless, I get your point, and I I agree. Like they've they've got to do better. Those are two bats that you're consistently or that you're expecting to consistently rely on. Um, but it, they're just not getting it out out of them, you know. And, and baseball is is kind of a game. I mean, it's a game of averages. Um, I'm a big believer in the law of averages, right? Or I guess the the, the sabermetrics guys now call it uh, regressing to the mean. And both of both of these guys are better than 200 hitters or wherever they're at. They're both, I mean, like 180 and one. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's bad. They're going to regress to their mean, whether that's 220, 232, 40. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I guess that, that'd be right. Well, they're gonna, um, they're gonna, in this yeah, case, not, they're going to progress guy, to the obviously. mean. But <laughs> so you certainly expect them to pick it up. I, I think the thing that you <laughs> said that I'm most interested in in watching this team moving forward is consistency because we've seen moments from the bats be really, really good. We've seen moments from a handful of pitchers be really, really good. But it's a recipe for disaster if you can't have any Absolutely. consistency out of the both. Because if you have a really great start from Danny Duffy, but the bats give you nothing, that does you no good. You lose and you waste that great start that you may you may only get one every four out of every four starts from Danny Duffy. Now, I mean he's been consistent, but I mean those big time elite starts. Same with the bats. You know, you have they they bust out have five or six runs, but the pitching staff's been all over the place and we lose eight to six. You know, that you've gotta be able to put some some consistency together at given times. You know, and I think there's a lot of different mm-hmm. things you can look at with this team of, of what's going on right now, maybe more on an individual basis than on the you know consistency as a whole talk because we obviously covered that. I know a lot of people, I think, you know, kind of want to look at certain players and, and kind of think, okay, well, this guy's really not producing. Nicky Lopez comes to mind. I know we talked about him early on, like, hey, is he going to be able to – are you even going to be able to replace him in the lineup? Well, he's on a four for 42 slump now. Um which is not good. He's not playing good defense at, at shortstop, and he's he is a good defender. But he's you know we <laughs> yeah. talked about it last episode. His his natural That's position is second base, and he's uh, an above average to elite defensive second base when he's shown that he's not that at shortstop, and it makes a difference. That you can't. Some guys can transition all over the diamond and not make any difference, and some guys can't, and he's shown that he can't. Um, you know, getting Mondi back is at a minimum going to improve the defense. You certainly hope the bat takes that next step that we saw at the end of last season. But again, that going back to that consistency question, we've seen Mondi be all over the place as far as being hot, being cold. So bringing him back is not some sort of surefire, you know, starter for the offense. Um, I think everybody has that hope and expectation, but you, you certainly don't know. Bobby Witt's been struggling down in double a, so that you can't, you can't expect to be happening. Um, 
so there's just a lot of questions, and, and it's got to come from some of the guys that are already in the lineup. And I, I think, like you mentioned, Jorge Solar and uh, Hunter Dozier are two perfect guys to start that. So, um, you know, I, I think that's really the best you can. Yeah, one of the things that I think is, you know, the most concerning when we're talking about what's happening with the Royals is obviously all season long and even prior to the season, guys, we talked about how offensively for Kansas City, that was going to be kind of, you know, one of the bright spots for this Royals squad, right? Uh, pitching was going to be where the question mark has been. Uh, and that's kind of what everybody identified at the very beginning of the season. But really, the bats have gone incredibly quiet. We talked about that just a few minutes ago. That's probably one of the most concerning things is that the the area of the, the game that was supposed to be the bright spot has not been, at least over the last eight games. George Brett, actually, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, was playing in a, in, a, in a golf tournament, a charity golf tournament on Monday, and he was interviewed about the Royals and kind of their futility right now, and especially offensively. And he said he really just thinks that offensively, the guy are just they're pressing they're they're swinging too hard they're you know they're swinging for the fences um non-stop and that's kind of where he identifies the issue being offensively with kansas city blake do you agree with that sentiment do you think that's maybe where some of the royals issues lie i mean i think it's possible it's possible i mean those guys Salvador Perez just got a big contract. It's understandable. I talked about that before the season, that I was worried that he would be trying to swing out of his shoes, that he really wants to hit that big contract, and that I don't think that that's been necessarily a problem for him. Um, I I think that there's a little bit more to do with the pitching than, than maybe you think there is. You know, Danny Duffy finally had a non-quality start against Cleveland on the 6th. I think it's the only one he's had all year. Um, Wade Davis this year has five scoreless appearances out of his 12. His ERA is over 7. Greg Holland's ERA is over 5. Daniel Lynch, his start was an unmitigated disaster. He didn't even get three outs against the White Sox. Do you think so, he was tipping pitches? A lot of people thought that he might have been tipping pitches. That is, uh, I, I don't know. There are a lot of people that say a lot of stuff on the internet, and they don't know. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm not. I'm the only question that I have is, as a fan at home, you can tell when he's tipping his pitches. Really seriously, if you can, why aren't you coaching in the big leagues? That doesn't mean that he wasn't, though. That doesn't mean that he wasn't, because boy, it certainly looked like the White Sox had at least an idea. I didn't hear any trash cans in the audience, but it certainly looked like they had an idea what was coming, because they were all over Daniel Lynch, and even in his first start, Tommy, where you could see, okay. You know, he was hit hard every inning, but you could see every once in a while, okay, there's a really good slider. There's a really good pit. He executed good pitches. He really didn't execute anything at all against the White Sox. So maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. And that is something that young pitchers do have to get adjusted to because that's something that a younger player in the minor leagues is not going to pick up on as quickly. Whereas a major league player, major league dugout, major league coaches, they're going to be all over that. So I don't know if it's just offensive, but I do agree that there are offensive problems. And is it them pressing? I, I, I don't think that it necessarily is, but 
I wouldn't even say I'll pull a West and say I, I, I'm on the fence on that. I wouldn't say it necessarily isn't either because I think that they, you know, they, they, everybody wants to win. We've talked about how, what good guys these Royals are and how much they want to win. So I, I, it's possible at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter if they're pressing or not. What matters is that they have not gotten it done offensively. The pitching has been an issue and it's kind of a full system problem right now. I mean, they haven't played particularly good on defense. They haven't played good enough. They're not executing really in any phase of the game. And here's a big stat. The Royals have lost eight games in a row. It's the 35th eight-game losing streak in Royals history. This is from at Royals Review, by the way. There are only three teams, Royals teams with eight-game losing streak, 71, 80, and 2013. Only three of them, those three, finished with a winning record. So this does not bode well for Kansas City. You don't have to be you know, a brainiac to realize that when you have an eight-game losing streak, you're not very good. But the Royals better get quick, better get healthy quick. They got the T- T- Detroit Tigers coming up for a three-game set on the road. Detroit's awful. So you better win two out of three against the Tigers because after that, you've got the White Sox again, the Brewers, then the Tigers again. But then you're playing Tampa Bay, the Twins. So you're not going to have a whole lot of easy games coming up other than these two series against the Tigers the next two weeks. So you better take advantage if you are going to be a contender into May and, and hopefully June. You know, Weston, uh, I, I got I to gotta ask you this. So the, the one thing, I mean, obviously – Anytime you lose eight games in a row, it's 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 not ideal, right? But it's even worse. It's doubly bad when all of those eight losses in a row come against divisional opponents. And, you know, because that's just obviously going to blow things out yeah. of the water. And, you know, we're looking at where the Royals stand right now. I said it on this program a few weeks ago that because of how not easy, but, you know, the, the, the schedule early on was tolerable for the Royals for sure. They were able to build themselves a little bit of a cushion. Do you think it, how big of a deal do you think the fact is that the Royals had so much early season success before they dropped these eight games? It's not like they're in some kind of insurmountable hole right now that they can't climb out of. They're one game under 500. I know it's disappointing considering where they were to where they've gone, but we're not talking about a Royals squad that they were already five or six games under 500. And then with this losing streak, they effectively already put themselves out of the race in the month of May. They still have an opportunity to climb out of this. So how big of a deal was that early season cushion for them? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously it was important. I mean, wins in, in you know, May and in April are just as important as they are in September, um, you know, and, and I think that's to that point, it being so early, you know, I, I, it, we play the game, right? Do the Royals suck? And it's fun. And I think Blake answered it well. Like, right now, yeah, of course they suck. <laughs> but that that really is, I mean, that is the game of baseball. And I know I sound like a broken record on this, but it, it comes in waves. So the fact that they had a good winning streak in the beginning puts in a position that they can withstand this losing streak right now. Of course it's not ideal. Of course it's not what you want to be going through. Of course you don't want it to be in the division. But it's the game of baseball. Some teams... You know, they win two, they lose two, they win two, they lose two, they win one, they lose one. Well, some win six and then lose four, win five and then lose seven. Like I mean, but ultimately the record at the end of the season is is really the only thing that's going to matter. So um, the fact, but to your point, right, I mean, you never want to get yourself in too big a hole because going back to George Brett's com- uh, comments, 
you don't then it puts a team in a position where they feel like even if it's wrong that they need to press and do those things to get out of a position that they might not be in because it is early and there's still a lot of baseball to be played um so it's great that they won you know it absolutely puts them in a position where they don't feel like they're you know they need to hope hopefully they don't feel like they need to press um you know and the other thing too is i think from a mental standpoint about that early season success to me, maybe the most important thing is you have seen the talent that is on this baseball team. Over the last two weeks, it hasn't translated into wins. And talent has to play consistently like we talked about. But the talent is absolutely there for this to be a very good baseball team. So uh, I think that's encouraging, and hopefully that's kind of a mental pickup for these guys. And uh, But nonetheless, you, you never want to lose you know those games, especially not within the, not within the division. So a little bit of a hat tip to Royals Review, the second time on this program that we've uh, we've given them a little bit of credit. They've got an article that talks about the only three things in this world that are guaranteed are death, taxes, and early season Royals incompetence. Uh, because this is not new for Kansas City. You know, Weston, you talked about how some teams win one, lose two, win three, lose two, you know, kind of back and forth. It's kind of sustained for Kansas City. In the last 15 years, the Dayton Moore Era Royals, and I'm reading this directly off of Royals Review, the Dayton Moore Era Royals have now lost six or more games before the end of May on 16 different occasions. It's happened in 15 years, 16 different times. It happened twice in 2020. Obviously, there, weren't, there wasn't baseball in May, so we're talking more like September, the first few games of that shortened season. It happened once in 2019. Remember, guys, they lost 10 games at the beginning of the season in 2019, nine games in 2018 and 2017, an eight-game losing streak in 2013, a 12-game losing streak in 2012, and then so on and so forth. So this early season futility is something that has been relatively common absent those couple of years where the Royals were World Series contenders. But Blake, as you mentioned before, you know, the, the schedule rolls on for Kansas City. They have an off day on on Monday. So as we're recording this, there's not a game in progress, but they do kick off uh, another series coming up on Tuesday night. So just in the matter of, well, when you're listening to this, probably on Tuesday morning, uh, that evening, they kick off a series on the road against the Tigers, a three game set. And then they're back on the road against the White Sox. Blake, the White Sox have absolutely had the Royals number recently. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And, and like you mentioned, especially that outing with Daniel Lynch, they were all over Kansas City. So the Royals looking for a little bit of redemption. How critical is this next six games as they're playing more division opponents to try to get back into the swing of things? I mean, I'll be more interested to see how Chicago actually is, because if you believe the statistics right now, after playing the Royals, the Chicago White Sox are the best team in baseball. Their run differential yeah. is plus 53. Now, I think that's a little bit fluky. I believe that Kansas City, you know, I said before the season started, I didn't think Kansas City was going to contend. I thought they were going to be in that. I don't remember what I said. I think 70, 75 wins was what I kind of predicted. Did not think they were going to get get to the upper 70 of wins. You know, so I, the question you have to ask yourself, and this is something that, um, you know, my radio friend down here in Wichita, Shane Dennis, did on Twitter. Do you believe that April was a fluke or do you think that May is a fluke? If I have to pick one, Tommy... I'm thinking April is a little bit more of a fluke. And the reason I say that is because in April, the Royals played teams that aren't as good. 
in May, they're playing Cleveland. They're playing Chicago. That's the sample size against good teams, teams that were picked to be pretty good and teams that are playing pretty well right now. So against the better teams, all the stats say that Kansas City is just okay against the good against the bad teams and against the good teams they've been under 500 so I'm kind of thinking this might be the Royals team that we're going to see that doesn't mean they're going to lose 100 games or anything like that I don't think they're going to go that far in the tank but uh, I, I just don't see this team being around and being relevant in the series in the central come June and July but you know we'll have another month of sample size here over the next few weeks so it's a you know a six game stretch doesn't make or break a season like we said before like what Weston said when it comes to consistency you know you go two on two off the best teams have longer stretches where they're playing well bad teams have longer stretches where they play like the Royals are playing so if the Royals are good then they should turn things around, sweep Detroit, and get a split against Chicago. If the Royals aren't any good, then they're going to lose this series to Detroit and probably lose three or four to Chicago, and we'll have a much, much more bleak outlook when we're doing this again on on Monday the 17th. Well, you know, you said a six-game stretch is not make or break. Seven, yeah, because that's a doubleheader. Yeah, you're right. But uh, a 14 or 15 game stretch very well could be. And we're kind of midway through that stretch right now with an eight game losing streak. Hopefully by the time uh, our next episode rolls around, we'll have at least a win to talk about uh, for the Royals. (laughs) Hopefully several of them. Just one? Hopefully several of them. And you can join us again next week as we play another rousing game of Do the Kansas City Royals Suck? Let's go ahead and transition into Shocker Diamond Sports. We're going to start with Shocker Softball for very good reason. The softball regular season title is Wichita State's uh, to win. They they won it over the weekend. They clinched it uh, over the weekend with a, a little bit of help, but uh, they were able to do what they needed to do to get that victory. They are 37-11-1 entering the conference tournament in Tulsa. They are the top seed. They will start off their game, uh, their, uh, start off their tournament, that is, as the top seed at 6 p.m. on Friday night. Their record is in conference 18 5 and 1 and like I mentioned they did get a little bit of help from UCF uh, UCF got two wins on Saturday over South Florida the Shockers needed UCF to win at least two of the four games to keep uh, South Florida from winning that title they were able to do so so Wichita State they were able to clinch the regular season title uh, for the Shockers so Blake I'll start with you obviously a great honor for Wichita State it's their first American conference regular season title we've been talking about this team for most of the season talking about uh, how strong they are when when they're good but how they battle maybe when they even don't have their best stuff so definitely a testament to this squad and uh, now we have to turn our attention to the conference tournament to see how far the Shockers can go. So I'm just going to start talking because you actually cut out right when you said the name of who was supposed to start talking next. So I'm just going to assume it was me and start talking. There you go. Uh, first of all, uh, pointing back to my sign, uh, I, I believe that that I, I had that, that they were going to win the, the conference. And I also think that I said that they were going to lose three of four uh, were Central Florida. So uh, I, I think I had that too. Um, I like the Shockers' chances in the American. They took three of four from Tulsa. They swept Houston. They're going to play one of those two teams in the first round. 
round. Guys, did you actually look at the bracket? Is there a reason why the American plays single elimination for softball and double elimination for baseball? I hate that. I think that's terrible for Diamond Sports to have to have a single elimination tournament is awful. There's so much variance in softball, and I get that there's less in softball because starting pitching is so important, so dominant. It's not like you have a big variance from starter to starter like you do in baseball because of the arm angle and, you know, the same starter can pitch so often. So I understand that, but I really hate that they play single elimination. But, you know, they they just, Tulsa and Houston actually just played in the regular season. They split a four-game series. All the games were decided by four runs or less. So that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out between those two teams. But yeah, shocker softball, amazing, amazing run. Obvious, I think the biggest question, Tommy and, and Weston, what is the mental place of the team right now because they just got whooped by Oklahoma should that affect them absolutely not their accomplishments this season taking two of three from the Bedlam rival of the Sooners and by the way that was a really close Bedlam series I believe between the Cowgirls and the Sooners they should be confident Wichita State has good players good pitchers good coaches they're a fantastic team but when you get knocked around in the mouth like that, I didn't look up and down the Shocker schedule. I don't think that they have been beaten like that at any point this year. And when you get knocked around like that by a really good team, it can knock your confidence a little bit. Appropriately so. It happened to any sport, any team, any individual player. It doesn't matter what sport you're playing. How are they going to respond when they get on the diamond when the last time they got shelled and they couldn't hit, they basically didn't do anything right against Oklahoma? Oklahoma's the best team in the country, so you can't allow that to dictate your thoughts about your team and how you're going to have success. So, Weston, that's the thing that I want to see when they come out against teams that Wichita State is better than. There, there's no question Shocker Softball is better than Tulsa, and they're better than Houston. They have better pitchers. They have better hitters. There's no stat that would that would indicate otherwise. But mentally, they just got hit in the mouth. How are they going to get up from that? I'm so interested and excited to see that. I think Shocker Softball is going to have a big AAC tournament, and my prediction is that they're going to win the tournament, and they're going to go into the NCAA tournament as the tournament champions well so good here's the thing good teams respond to the adversity like that you know and and almost always it seems like you can you can track it and they follow with big games right and and the thing about shockers we the shocker softball team we talked about this i don't know if it was last podcast or a couple episodes ago but they win in big games right and obviously they 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 dropped the ball against OU, so that that was a big game. They didn't rise to the occasion, but I would argue that the game following this, no matter who they who they had on the schedule, becomes a big game because it is that sure. moment that that follow up to a moment you just got embarrassed. You know, you just got beat really bad. I think for the mental makeup of the team, one bad loss is no big deal. So you have to come out and respond the next game. You can't have that second loss. That's when things get concerning, that they might spiral in the wrong direction. I have no concerns with this softball team, seeing how they have stepped up in big games before. 
Yes, the OU game was the exception, but now that makes the following game the big game. I expect it absolutely to, to show up and show out, you know, against Tulsa. And really, you know, I, I think most people are expecting to hopefully win the AAC, right? So um, a, lot, a lot to be excited about and getting themselves positioned heading into the tournament. This is a complete Wichita State Shocker softball team. Mm-hmm. You know, any way, any way you look at it, I mean, they are absolutely, I think complete is the best word to describe it. They lead the conference in batting average. They lead the conference in slugging percentage. They lead the conference in on-base percentage. They lead the conference in home runs. They're second nationally in home runs, by the way, behind <laughs> Oklahoma. Uh, they're a dominant offensive team led by Addison Barnard, who's a freshman. She's a freshman. Think it's about scary. where she's going to be in a couple of years. She's got the highest slugging percentage in the American, individually speaking. She also, lead, I'm sorry, McKinney, that's Sydney McKinney, who's a short, the shortstop. She leads the conference uh, with a 434 batting average and 51 runs. Then we've got, you know, you look at the pitching. They have a 2.80 ERA, which is third in the conference. They're also tied for first in fielding percentage. So they've got all of the, all the facets of the game that you want to look at. Shocker softball has it. And so obviously they clinched the top spot. They won the regular season crown. Blake, I'm with you. I think that it's going to, it, it's, it's the Shockers tournament to lose, right? They're going to come in. Obviously, they're going to be favored. They're the top spot. They're a complete softball team. It's going to come down to mentally. It's going to come down to execution. It's going to come down to what what do the Shockers need to do to put these teams in, I agree with you, in a lot of cases, inferior teams, put them away and move on in the tournament. It is a one-and-done tournament, right? So you got to yes. be pretty good. you got to be on top of your game to get all the way through the bracket because you don't get a second chance. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. But we've seen the Shocker squad come up you know, time and time again, and they're no stranger to long winning streaks either, right? I mean, there was that stretch, what was it, last month or a month and a half ago where they were able to reel off multiple wins in a row. Uh, so they're, they're, they're conditioned for this. It's just going to come down to X execution and how they're able to make that happen. So like I said before, their opening matchup will end up uh, being Friday evening at 6 p.m. They, of course, are the top seed in the American. Congratulations, by the way, uh, to Coach Christy Breadbinner uh, on the on the crown, the regular season crown. Softball won the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, t- or the regular season titles in 2014 and 2016 under Coach Breadbinner as well. So she can add another trophy to her, uh, her trophy. Coach for sure. of the year coach of the year should be adding that trophy here pretty quick if there's not there should be an investigation and by the way we didn't even mention (laughs) neely herring who's been i don't know conference player of the week a couple of times you know (laughs) i mean hitting uh slugging 734 you know no big deal they are for sure deep and so we'll have an update on uh the tournament on next week's program of keeper of the games let's get in to shocker baseball now the shocker baseball squad had a pretty solid weekend in florida they won three of four games at ucf oh and by the way hunter gibson who's the dh for wichita state he's a junior he was named the american athletic conference player of the week it's his first career player of the week accolade uh he had a, a great weekend 
weekend in Orlando, guys. He had a team-best 508 hits in 13 at-bats. He had two homers and a double and a team-high eight RBIs. He was really the offensive spark that led the Shockers to win three of four. Blake, I'll start with you. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks about how Shocker baseball really needed to get kind of that morale turned around. They needed to kind of figure out what that motivation was going to be moving forward. They're a talented squad, and there's no doubt about it, but I know that Coach Wedge was really looking for WSU to start to put things together a little bit, have things click for them. And I'm not saying that all is solved and all is fixed with Shocker baseball, but this three out of four victory on the road against UCF is a great start for them. Well, and, and it's so fantastic. You want to talk about another freshman who the sky is the limit for? Have you guys looked at, had a look at the numbers for Jace Kaminska? Yeah. Freshman pitcher, 1.23 ERA since he got into the starting rotation. Six earned run allowed in 44 innings. He's got a six-game winning streak, 6-0 and on the year. He has been unbelievable for Wichita State. He has not been shorter than five innings, by the way, since he entered the starting rotation in a midweek role against Kansas State in March. I think I remember Coach Wedge saying, you know, he's one of our best arms. we got to get him in the lineup and just see how he does. He's been fantastic. The bats have turned around as well for Wichita State. And, you know, I think that you're right, Tommy. One series, just like with the Royals, one week doesn't blow the season. One good series, or when the Shockers massacred Houston for eight games, doesn't necessarily mean the rest of the season's going to go fine. You're going to have ebbs and flows. But yes, obviously the trajectory for Wichita State baseball is much better. And Weston, this Jace Kaminska guy, I don't know what you're most excited about with Shocker baseball. Jace Kaminska is somebody who could go down in the annals of Wichita State baseball if he keeps pitching like this as one of the best three-year pitchers in Shocker history because his his execution as a freshman right now has been kind of unbelievable for a guy that was not thought of as a starter coming into the year and was moved into that role. He will certainly be the ace coming next year, I would think, because he, he deserves it. He has been pitching fabulously for the black and yellow. Completely regardless of statistics, I am still the most excited for Cooper Gornblum uh, in this Shockers oh, team moving <laughs> But no, going, so going back to, you know, talking Leave about... Leave it to Weston to look at only the pronunciation guide when he researches crazy. for these shows. Well, you know, I, I, I get something stuck in my brain and I just have to go with it. I, I'm a mush for brain up there, so you give me something and I just keep going with it. So, but if we go back to, you know, talking about where, the, where this Shockers team is going to end up, how's this season, you know, finishing? You know, they certainly... Probably are on the outside looking in for for postseason. You know the Shockers RPI has climbed to fifty three after after their their recent week, um, but the strength of Wichita State's schedule. It, you know it's you got three top fifteen victories, and I had talked about last week. I, I think it was last week that they kind of lacked in that department. So certainly getting two over ECU was was big, and then a win, um, you know, over that number seven Arizona back in March uh, is kind of what they're going to be hanging their hats on. I think they're going to need a little bit of a run in the AAC tournament um, is probably something that they're going to need to hopefully get that berth into the NCAA. But I think it's it's interesting, Tommy, 
that, that you kind of talked about, you know, Eric Wedge and what what he's wanting. And, you know, we had talked about with this team, hey, they've got to get some things figured out. Maybe that is translates to what they want this year, but maybe it's it's big picture because he actually, and this is from uh, the Eagle, this is a quote from him. He said, we understand that our goal is to get to the postseason because then anything can happen in the postseason. Uh, but the reality is we have to have a good week of practice and we have to come prepared to play Friday. And then he goes on to say, you know, it's about today, but it's also about the big picture. Ultimately, we want to take care of both sides of that. I love the way they're getting better and focusing on the process. So I think it's kind of almost exactly like what we were talking about, right? Like, yeah, look, hey, they're re- they're recognizing postseasons in play. We want to get that. That's this year's goal. But also, we've got to make sure that as we're winding down this season, we're focusing on those things, that big picture, the big process, that this Shockers baseball program continues to grow and gets better and maybe has sets themselves up for that better success next year so they're not kind of on that outside looking in you know, with their higher-ranked RPI and not quite having the, the, the resume right now. Uh, to do that where they don't have to make a run in the tournament and those kind of things. But, uh, you know, I think he's definitely on page. And I would say that, that we've all kind of we've been on top of the coverage. I think we've been pretty right on with with, with the assessment. I think Eric Wedges, maybe he's listening to the show even. I don't know. <laughs> God. I would I would doubt that. I don't think that that's realistic. I also doubt that. Um, but I, I do think that the outlook overall, big picture for Shocker Baseball, is much, much, much more positive than it was before Eric Wedge came to town. And that's one thing that we, we haven't talked a lot about. Obviously, we've been in the thick of the season, but you know, we haven't talked a lot about Eric Wedge and the impact that he has brought to Shocker Baseball. Um, I, there's just a buzz around this program that I don't think we've seen since Gene Stevenson and, and, and really not even the last couple of years of Gene Stevenson's tenure count, I, I think. Uh, but really talking about quite a while ago was the last time that there was really this kind of buzz surrounding Shocker baseball. Will that be realized this year? Probably not. I mean, you know, if you take a look at the standings right now, Shocker baseball is in third right now in the American. They're probably not going to overtake East Carolina. They're probably not going to overtake Tulane for second, but they, like we talked about last week, they can carve out their niche in third place in the American, which I think you've got to be happy about if you're a Shocker fan and Honestly, Blake, you take a look at the last two series, you know, Weston mentioned it. They split against the number eight team in America and they took three of four from from UCF. They're trending up just very briefly because we have to move on. What do you think in your mind is it going to take for Shocker Baseball to then ascend to that next level? That's a great question. And I don't know if we have time to really get into it, because let's be honest, the Shockers aren't the only game in town anymore. Now there's the yeah. wind surge that's going to pull some attention away from Wichita State, where they were always the premier baseball destination. No disrespect to the Wingnuts, but Shocker Baseball was kind of the main brand. It, it remains to be seen how fans are going to interact between wind surge baseball. We're going to see their opening day as pe- tonight as people are listening to this podcast. We'll have opening day for the wind surge at Riverfront Stadium. That's not been something that Wichita State has ever had to contend with before. And I don't know what that relationship is going to be like between baseball fans who now have a choice between the wind surge and the shockers in May for their baseball needs. Well, I think it's different brands of, of baseball for sure. It is. So I think is, you know, as the you only have so much time and attention, though. 
That's very that's very true. There's probably some overlap in fans there, but I think that you've got kind of two distinct fan bases, or at least that's that's ultimately I would think the the hope for you know both of those programs. But uh, as the season progresses for Shocker Baseball, just a quick uh, quick wrap up here. They play next this weekend at home for a four game set against USF doubleheader on Friday, game on Saturday, and then on Sunday. Then they take on the last place team in the American at home against Memphis. So the last eight games of the regular season for Wichita State. They're playing two teams that are under 500. They're playing two teams at home. So if we want to keep that trajectory going for Shocker Baseball, these next two weekends are going to be big for that. And so we'll obviously keep our eyes on that and we'll give you an update uh, next week on the program. Blake had a great transition into Wichita Wind Surge Baseball. We're running out of time on the program. We've got just a little bit of time to talk about the new kid in town, the Wichita Wind Surge. They started off their season, the inaugural season, of Wichita Wind Surge Baseball on the road with a six-game set against the Springfield Cardinals last week. And guys, I don't think you could have asked for any better of a start to a franchise than what the Wind Surge had on the road. They took five of six from Springfield. And I'm telling you what, guys, this is an exciting brand of baseball to watch. And if it continues on, I think you're going to have some really excited fans here in Wichita. Of course, uh, home the home opener is on two. Tuesday night inside Riverfront Stadium, and then that series continues throughout the week and weekend against the Amarillo Sod Put- uh, Poodles. And I can't, can't, I can never get that name right. Uh, the Amarillo Sod Poodles. And so, Blake, uh, I don't know how much you've had a chance to follow what the Wind Surge have been able to do over the first six games or so, but man, they've been able to put on a show. Well, they're third in the league in, in ERA, I mean the double-A central. And the the good thing, Tommy, if you're a baseball fan, for you, a season ticket holder, they are now hosting the worst pitching team in the double-A central through the first week, the Sod Poodles of Amarillo. Lick your chops, Wichita. The Sod Poodles gave up 10 dingers in the first six games. Aaron Whitefield's hitting 444. And Josh Winder on the mound hasn't been long in his two starts, only nine and two-thirds innings. But he has been good. He's given up 11 hits, two earned runs, nine uh, and two-thirds innings of work. But opponents hitting 314 against him. Can he get that average down? Interested to see how he progresses long-term. But, boy, if you like the long ball, Weston, this might be the time to make the road trip to Wichita because the Sod Poodles, when they pitch... Ball is going out, and it's going out far. Like to see Wichita hit a couple of homers, maybe a couple into the river in their first uh, homestand. So here's my question, and I'm going to ask the question knowing damn well that neither of you know the answer to this. But do we know, is, is okay. Riverfront Stadium, is it a hitter-friendly ballpark? I mean, I know that, I mean, that is an important statistic, a great right? Question. And I know, I know it tends to be minor league stadiums are a little, I mean, they're just smaller by nature, money, location, those kind of things. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, right, because they've been on the road and we haven't got to see them play at Riverfront Stadium. Hey, where is this a product of facing bad pitching or very favorable stadiums, or is this team just going to it's going to hit the ball. And, and that's um, that's the exciting part of it, though, right, is it, it is this new, unknown uh, product you're out making, there. You're watching history unfold here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't – and I don't, this isn't – I don't mean this to be negative, but I, I don't think that the, the road wins even really matter that much because I think most of the people who are going to be following along with the wind surge, they want to come out, watch – you know, I mean, this just tends to be with minor league baseball, right? They want to come out and watch a win at home. So the fact that they won five on the road – you know, people don't really. I don't. I don't think following the team on on that basis. And certainly, don't get me wrong. Of course, there's gonna be 
plenty of people who may follow in the newspaper day to day everything, but you got to win at home because that's what's going to get butts in the seats. You know, come out or have an exciting product. So the nice thing is we've seen on two fronts. Looks like there's going to be exciting product because they hit a lot of long balls, and then also it looks like they're going to win a lot of baseball games. So that you know, two definite things to be excited about. Um, but maybe the most exciting thing to be about is the new Pegasus mascot, Windy. Are you guys in or out <laughs> on Windy the Pegasus? Uh, I I don't know if I have an opinion on that, Tommy. I, Mascots I'm, are for I'm kids, thou- right? No, yeah, I'm a thousand percent in. Yes, I'm a thousand percent in. Thank I'm you. okay with that. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't have a negative thought about it. It's not yeah. my target demographic. It's not you know. I, I think it's fine if well, you're gonna have a Pegasus. I, love, I think it's fine. I, 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 go ahead, Weston. Well, I was just gonna say this, and you know, as the, the the Wichita sports podcast that we are, you know, we're trying to grow the brand here. The Wichita Windsurge are trying to grow their brand. I was thinking, you know, if there's any kid listeners out there that are wanting Wendy the Pegasus mascot at their birthday party, maybe Blake could dress up and go as Wendy the Pegasus. You know, just to really kind of grow both brands just keep her the games and wow. wind surge i think that would be the nice i didn't know compliment. your law firm was uh putting up the funding for this i'm 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 excited <laughs> no about no that. they're gonna they're gonna pay us. By, by the way here's how i know that weston has you know never does any prep for this show because we're <laughs> talking about That's we're true. talking about stats we're talking about stats and how the game weston wants to talk about the pegasus mascot uh <laughs> blake you mentioned aaron whitefield and how he's you know played early on hit the ball early on with an average of 444 two home runs seven rbis his slugging percentage is up over 800 here early on in the season he belted a go-ahead two-run homer in the finale on sunday to beat the cardinals three to two this is something you know we were talking about whether or not the wind surge it's going to be an exciting brand of base baseball for fans to watch uh they're five and one three of their five wins have been come from behind victories and Mm. you know is that sustainable who knows i'm not sure if that's actually you know something that can be sustained throughout an entire season but it definitely shows me that they've got the clutch gene you know for sure so not only did aaron whitefield uh, not only is he off to a great start offensively we would be remiss to not mention guys like jose miranda as well who leads the team in home runs three home runs in the first six games, seven RBIs, Caleb Hamilton, Peter Mooney, uh, Jermaine Palacio. There are several guys that are contributing offensively for this win search team. Again, opening night is uh, at home on Tuesday night at Riverfront Stadium. And then that series continues throughout the entire weekend. We'll have more updates on the win surge in future episodes. Let's get right in to our Wichita whip around here on Keeper of the Games. Blake, why don't you start us off? Absolutely. Newman University Women's Bowling finishing seventh this past weekend at the 2021 Intercollegiate Team Championships. Best finish for Coach Murphy and the Jets since 2016. Hashtag Jet Power. Hey, Weston, how about you? What's your Wichita Whipper? Look at this. This is just the bowling power hour. Wichita State men's and women's both won the uh, the national championship. Uh, it's the first national championship sweep by a program since 2012, and the third in program history. Which to me blows my mind that they've swept nationals three times. And I know that Wichita State has a dominant bowling program, but dang, they're a uh, power. Yeah, to be able to men's and women's to sweep three times that that's huge. Uh, and just wanted to give also a quick shout out to uh so junior madison uh 
Janik, I think, was recently named the NCBCA uh, Most Valuable Player. And uh, Wichita native, Wichita East High grad, Addie Herzberg, uh, was a second-team All-American and on that championship team as well. All right, very cool. Well, my Wichita Whip Around story is not about bowling, so I'm going to break the tradition <laughs> a little bit here. We're going to talk about uh, gymnastics and Ooh. sophomore uh, Kira Wells from Augusta High School. Congratulations to her. Guys, I'm not sure how much you follow gymnastics, but I think even the most casual observer knows that a perfect 10 is hard to come by, but that elusive perfect score happened for Kira Wells. She's a level 10 gymnast. That's the highest level that you can compete in the developmental program and pretty soon she's going to be heading to nationals to defend her title uh, so she's been a gymnast for a long time since she was young uh, but last month she was one of hundreds to compete in the region three championship in texas she left with a perfect 10 on vault and she's going to be competing in the usa gymnastics national championship so congratulations to her uh, that's a that's a pretty awesome deal and um, i've i've never done gymnastics out either one of you guys are you guys gymnasts do you ever do that before no no yeah um i don't think no. my body can bend that way so yeah um, no, not a good idea not, for me yeah that's not something that i can do but congratulations to kira wells that's gonna do it for our wichita whip around here on keeper of the games guys before we get out of here one more quick segment any additions subtractions corrections omissions to the show I do have one addition. Wichita Northwest High School has hired former Shocker Emily Hebert to be their new head volleyball coach. Hebert, a three-time first-team all-conference player for the Shockers, and she had been coaching for the Shockwave Volleyball Club. Awesome get for the Grizzlies. Emily Hebert was a big, big part of that undefeated American Athletic Conference championship team for Coach Lamb. Great to have her talent in the City League for the Grizzlies. Seems to be bigger. Weston, how about you? you? in high, in high school is so, so to get one of the premier club okay. volleyball coaches to come over to Northwest is great. Uh, the only other addition I have does did either of you, as you've been seeing the tweets about Jose Miranda, just make you miss the days of Joe Randa back in the Royals? I kept seeing the the Jose Miranda and think, man, I miss old Joe Randa, man in third base in the the two toned uh, uniform <laughs> days. Those were those were the days. <laughs> no, they were not though. That's correct. I like the uniforms. Royals were not very good in those days, if I recall correctly. <laughs> I, I I have to tell you, and this is a callback to anybody who has listened to our show for a long time. Uh, I yearn for the Fair. days of Joe Randa more than Fair. I yearn for the days of Gil Mesh. Let me just say that. <laughs> I remember that podcast. Yeah, I, I think that's appropriate. That's going to do it for Keeper of the Games uh, on this Season 2, Episode 18, our 66th overall episode of the podcast. Want to remind you all to hit subscribe so anytime we have a brand new show, you can get a notification. Of course, you can listen on platforms like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. And of course, you can watch the full episode on our YouTube channel, the Keeper of the Games YouTube channel. You can also search for us on Facebook by searching for Keeper of the Games. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod, and you can go to our website, KOGSports.com. Before we get out of here, Blake, what is your Twitter handle? For our beloved audio at listeners, at B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S, at B-E-Crips on Twitter. Weston, how about you? 
course, you can always follow me at Tweets from Tommy. Next week on the program, Blake, uh, Blake Cripps takes over the hosting duties yet again. And I'm sure, Blake, that you're going to play another rousing game of Do the Kansas City Royals. Oh, we will. I'm just guessing. Yep. Uh, a lot more that we're going to be talking about, probably primarily in the world of baseball. But we'll see what else transpires in the world of sports between now and then. So until next time, for Blake Cripps and Weston Mills, I'm Tommy Castor. You've been checking out Keeper of the Games. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.